Good day and welcome to our Spotify channel. We are really privileged to have you join with us. Maybe this is your first time listening. Uh, maybe you've listened to us on a few occasions and then you will be aware that we are concluding our I Am Expressions series of Jesus today with Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. It's been quite a journey the past two months. We started off by talking about Jesus, the great I am, saying that I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate, the good shepherd, the true vine, the way, the truth, and the life. And today we will focus on Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. We appreciate you taking the time to journey with us as we conclude our time together. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this special time of devotion as we listen to Paula Roots sharing on John 11 verses 1 to about 30. You're welcome to read that now as we dip into this scripture. Be blessed during our time together and we hope you can listen and tune in next week too. Good morning. This is the final week of looking at the I Am series. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and that's the life now and the life eternal. So I want to look at the resurrection first in the context of Genesis to Revelation. So hang on for a quick scoot through the Bible. And then we'll look at life eternal and life in all its fullness. As they say, right here, right now, John's Gospel starts in John 1, 1 to 3, by saying that Jesus was with God in the beginning. In other words, he created everything with God and the Spirit hovered over the waters. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus, actually. And the prophet Isaiah, I, I love that passage because it reminds us just why Jesus died. Um, it's graphic in its description of his suffering. I know it's, it's really sad reading, especially when we read in the Gospels that he did suffer in all these ways. He suffered the beatings, the whippings, the mocking crown of thorns, and finally the crucifixion, where he was lifted up for all people, as Jesus himself predicted, and Isaiah predicted. God loved us so much that he let his son, the co-creator of the world, die in agony alone for us. But that's not the end. Jesus says here is the resurrection and the life before he went through all any of the suffering. And it's, it's actually quite appropriate that we heard him say it as he went back to the home of Mary and Martha following the death of Lazarus. And then we heard about his suffering. And as we've read, Jesus hung on until that death had occurred. He could have gone when Lazarus was ill, but he didn't. Uh, and Jesus could have made him well, maybe, but he decided 
to show God's glory and to show his power by waiting till Lazarus was dead. He was comforting Martha as she came out to meet him. And then he weeps with Mary and the other mourners. But he also knows, he knows he's about to demonstrate resurrection of Lazarus. In verse 25, he says to Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks Martha, do you believe this? And I'll ask you, do you believe this? Can we answer like Martha? Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Do you? Do we? Do we really believe the astounding, mind-blowing truth? I can barely get my head around it. The creator of the world and all life came to earth to teach us to love us, to suffer for us, and die and rise again for us. That God loved us enough to send his son to redeem our sins. Logically, it's astounding. But with faith, two billion of us believe. And that includes scientists and writers who set out to disprove it but now conclude it's true. And that's a whole other talk. I would recommend Alpha, of course, but I would. We also know the rest of the story. Lazarus was raised, prompting fear among the Pharisees and Caiaphas to declare prophetically, it's better for one man to die for the people. Well, indeed it was, wasn't it? That Jesus suffers and he dies. And then, when you see these crosses, which one means the most to you? There's a statuette, cold and death-like, up for everyone to see. Or here's the suffering Jesus on the rosary beads, which means so much to millions of our brothers and sisters around the world. Or here's the Celtic cross, symbolizing centuries of Christian worship in our country. Or this last one, the empty cross with the dove of the Holy Spirit. For me, it's the empty cross that speaks most of hope. As we say at Easter, he's risen, he's ascended into heaven. There's a beautiful place called the Lake of Monteith. And uh, this may sound daft, but I was praying and I was praying to God for a sign. It was an incredibly overcast day. And as I looked up to the sky, the sun broke through this tiny gap in the clouds. And it was like I could see right up into heaven or into the sky. And it reminded me of the ascension. What the disciples must have seen was Jesus just disappearing in all his glory into the heavens. And you just I just wonder how they felt. They spent such 
precious times with them. I wonder how they felt. Did they remember that he'd said to them, I will be back, or my, my, I will send the Spirit? It's not the end, though, is it? The cross. He said he was the resurrection and the life, and he told them to wait in Jerusalem. He told them to wait for the gift that the Father had promised, the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and in John 16, he even says, unless I go, the counselor will not come. He said he's the resurrection and the life, and life eternal. The preacher D.L. Moody said, <clears throat> one day you'll read that D.L. Moody is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I'll be more alive than I am now. But the promise is to us and every believer, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. All we need to do is believe. When I was growing up, we went to church in New Haven near Leith, and it was a lovely wee church. Um, it's now a climbing centre. It was a, the Fisher Church because it was by the harbour at New Haven. And Harvest Thanksgiving was celebrated with fishing nets draped from the galleries, model, model fishing boats, plaster cast fish. And the women would dress up in the traditional fishwives outfit. I don't know if you've seen it, I couldn't get a picture of it, but it's um, there's a yellow felt petticoat and a red felt petticoat, very heavy and thick, and then an overdress and a blouse and a shawl, beautiful. And one year I got to wear the children's version of that outfit. But the reason I'm remembering that is that the teaching I remember from that church was about judgment. It was about fearing God. There was God, there was Jesus, and there was a kind of Holy Ghost, but no word about the latter. And it seemed that there was just a third figure in the Trinity, but not much about it. There was no preaching that I remember on the love of God. And the Sunday school told us of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, end of. And it was on Alpha that I first heard of the work of the Holy Spirit. This summer I've been reading two books on the Holy Spirit, one by Jack Deere, uh, which is called Why Am I Surprised by the Power of the Holy Spirit? And the other one is Everyday Supernatural by Mike Pilavachi and Andy Croft. And by the way, I don't recommend reading two books on the same topic at the one time. One in the morning, one in the evening, and by the end of the day, I couldn't remember who'd said what. But both describe their journeys in discovering the gifts of the Spirit. That they're still alive. Those gifts are still for us. They're moving in the world. There are ministry gifts alive in the world now, today, for us. There are spiritual gifts. There's the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians that Eric mentioned last week. The Holy Spirit itself deserves a whole other talk because um, we do a whole day on it on Alpha. 
But the power released in the Spirit is phenomenal. It's God-given and it's wonderful in its goodness. I've experienced the amazing peace that Jesus left through the Spirit. As a mum of two young children and in an unhappy marriage, one day I knelt down in tears at the side of the bed and just prayed to God for help. I, I, I couldn't put any words to it. And I was overwhelmed by peace, just washing over me. As Jesus said, his peace, not as the world knows it. And I know now that that was the Holy Spirit just loving me. For God loves us individually and together enough to send his son to die for us. Jesus loves us enough to die for us. And they together love us enough to send the Comforter, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit to be with us and empower us to continue the work on earth. So Jesus said in his promise that he is the resurrection, but it's not just for eternal life, it's for life now. In John 10, 10, he says, life to the full in the New, New International Version, or life in all its fullness, in the King James Version we used to read. And it's not just for the promise and revelation of life eternal, when Jesus will wipe away all our tears, when there will be no, no more suffering, no more death, no mourning or crying or pain. But life now, in all its fullness, when we can ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and live in the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit can fill our lives now. The fruit of the Spirit, remember what Eric said last week, are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. This is one fruit. It's like a bunch of grapes, I think. It's not a selection of different fruits. All of these will be given over and over and over again. We can be refilled daily. What a gift. God loves us enough to promise that all of these are ours if we just believe in Jesus and ask, come Holy Spirit, come. And that will give us life eternal and life in fullness now. Amen. Let us pray now. Thank you, God, that you loved us so much, that you sent Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved us so much that you died for us. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with us. Whenever we ask, whenever we need you. And if you've never prayed it before, we can pray, we're sorry for all we've done wrong. Forgive us and live with us 
in our hearts forever. Come, Holy Spirit, into our lives. Come. Amen. And maybe the next time you feel the wind, you can remember the Pentecost wind of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I feel it, I just say, come Holy Spirit, come. It's amazing. It takes away all my fear of the wind. <laughs>